Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Life Church, it's Pastor Jim. We are right in the middle of vacation Bible school week, and it is uh, is intense around here. There are children running everywhere. There's just bedlam and mayhem uh, running around trying to clean up the building, uh, just enough for us to get through another day. There are water slides. uh, There's uh, cupcakes. I I can't keep track of everything that's going on around here. It's a great week uh, here at uh, Real Life Church, and thank you all for blessing us Uh, with the opportunity to be a church that offers things like vacation Bible school. Uh, It's been been neat for so many kids uh, to be able to to come close to Jesus, uh, to see teenagers and adults who love them, uh, to find a home in church, which may be different than any of them expected. And uh, so thank you for being a church that blesses us to do uh, things like that. Uh, We're going to continue in our series of studies today uh, called Know what I like about Jesus. And we're looking at things about the life of Jesus that are just amazing. Uh, And I want to talk about more of those today. But first, let's begin with prayer. Father, I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you call us to yourself and you call us to faith and you call us to real life. And I I pray that you would open up our hearts to the gifts that you want to give us, that we wouldn't resist you or run away, that we wouldn't try to earn things that you give freely. God, help us to place our lives in your hands and to trust you, to know that all good things come from you uh, and that you are a God who loves to give. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Hey, you know what I like about Jesus? Uh, Jesus uh, does the heavy lifting for me. Uh, and I'll tell you what I mean, because this, uh, this is at the heart of the Christian faith, and this is what uh, the Christian faith is all about. Think about the history of our church. Uh, I love when our church becomes a sermon illustration. Think about the fact that uh, we started uh, a season ago, five years ago this month, and we started in a park uh, without planning on being a church, a park without a bathroom in which a few of us were going to get together for a Bible study on Sunday morning. Uh, and then uh, by the announcement of, of somebody in the crowd, uh, it became a, a movement that we had not planned. Uh, a school popped up that we hadn't reserved or, or made plans with, and they let us move in. Uh, a season later, uh, this building became available. We just literally were driving around and found it. And it turned out that I had a, a historic connection with one of the pastors who had been here before, and God placed this place in our hands. And then this last year, God gave us a a building in Glendora that we hadn't planned for, and we hadn't budgeted for, and it was just given to us, and now we're running a preschool out of it. And, And 33 kids from the preschool came to our vacation Bible school this last week. And you know, when kids come to vacation Bible school, some of them don't go to church. Their families don't have a church. And this is their introduction to church. And that preschool has given us a doorway into all kinds of community outreach and into families that we didn't know before. And we didn't make any of that happen. God just placed it all in our hands. And I love the fact that Jesus does the heavy lifting for us. I love the fact that no much 
no matter how much we plan, no, how much, no matter how much we organize and strategize, Jesus does the heavy lifting for us. I remember forming teams that were, uh, that were put together to go and search for our future real estate locations. Teams that were filled with talented people, finance people, people who worked in banks, real estate agents, people who knew the law. And then God just said, yeah, thanks for the team. Here's, here's a property. And, and we didn't plan for that. God did the heavy lifting for us. And I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. We're about to head into an exciting uh, season ahead because th coming this fall, we're going to open new doors and we're going to see what God does. We're going to bring back our brunch that we started back in 2019 before there were some world events that uh, changed our trajectory a little bit. We're going to... Uh, uh, open up a, a worship site in, in Glendora, in our Glendora campus. We'll have people worshiping over there on Sundays. We anticipate having a Spanish-speaking worship service on Sunday mornings before too, uh, too long. Uh, and that's just what we know about. The best things we've discovered so far as a church are things that we didn't know about, are things that God just brought to us. And so uh, I'm thankful for all the things we have planned, and I'm thankful for all the things we don't have planned. Uh, because I know that Jesus loves to do the heavy lifting for us. And honestly, that's the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ. He wants to do the heavy lifting for us. And I want to look at a passage from the Bible today in which the Apostle Paul, a great first century preacher and church planter, describes how Jesus did the heavy lifting for us. Paul went and did ministry in this area, in this region uh, over in the Middle East that was called Galatia. And in Galatia, uh, he, uh, he went in and started a church by preaching freedom, by preaching the fact that Jesus has set us free so we don't have to earn our way to God anymore. Uh, but after he left, some preachers from Jerusalem came to town and said, well, that freedom stuff that Paul talked about, that sounds nice and all, but you're still going to have to do some of the heavy lifting yourselves. You're still going to have to follow all of the Jewish laws. You're going to have to keep the religious customs and the festivals and the, the moral principles. You have to do all the practices of the law, and then whatever time you have left over, then you can go enjoy your freedom. And Paul writes a letter back to this church in Galatia that he had started, and he says, hold on a minute, that's not what I said. And I want to look at what he did say today. So if you've uh, got a Bible with you, uh, open it up and follow along. This is in uh, the book of uh, Galatians. And we're going um, to look at the message that Paul initially preached. Galatians chapter 3 at verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And by flesh, he means by your own efforts. Are you, are you trying to make your own way after we already said that Jesus made a way for you? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by believing what you heard? So, so this is Paul's message. You, you believe, since I preached it to you, that Jesus died on the cross to save you. He did it for you. You couldn't have done it yourself. Don't build a boat to pass through a sea that God has already parted. 
If he's spread the waters for you, you just get to walk through. You don't have to do the effort. He has done it for you. I preach to you that Jesus died on the cross for you. Why are you trying to earn your way to God now? And this is important because I think most people walking around in the world today calling themselves Christians have this a little bit wrong. Most people walking in the world are walking around in the world today calling themselves Christians think, yeah, maybe Jesus died for me, but I still had better be a pretty good person because the day's gonna come where I stand at the gates of heaven and God's gonna kind of size me up and see whether or not I lived well enough to get in. Paul says, look, don't go back to that. That's how you were doing it before. You were trying to earn your way to God before I preached to you. Now that I've preached to you, now that you have freedom in the spirit, why would you go back to the law? It's like this. Imagine you're a student in a math class and you sit down to take a test and you're nervous because you didn't study. It's a, it's a surprise quiz and you're not ready. And you sit down and you look at all the problems on the test and you realize you don't know how to do half of them. But as you're sitting there sweating, the teacher comes by, looks over at your desk, looks at you sweating there and thinks to herself, I really like this student. I really like this student a lot. I'm just gonna give, give this student an A. And she writes an A on your paper. You haven't done anything yet. She just writes an A on your paper. But then you start to feel guilty and you think, well, I didn't, I didn't earn that A. I should, I should have to earn an A. And you think to yourself, maybe I should mark the A out and then just go ahead and take the test and see how well I do. Well, if you do that, if you try to take the test on your own efforts, you're gonna fail. So my question for you is this, which grade do you want? Do you want the A for free? Or do you want the F after a lot of work? Because those are the options. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died for you on the cross because you were not able to make your life good enough to satisfy the perfect God who made you. But he gives you an A anyway. He really likes you. He gives you an A anyway. So many people out there who say that they follow Jesus think, yeah, maybe he did that for me, but I better now work really, really hard and prove myself to God so God will approve of me. And that usually e either leads to pride or guilt. It leads to an undeserved self-righteousness because you think you're amazing. Or it leads to shame because you realize you can't do it. Now, I know some of you out there heard that illustration and you were thinking, yeah, but you can't just give A's to, that kid's not gonna learn math. That's a terrible way to teach. That's a bad teacher. You can't do it there. Fine, okay, so you deserve to go to hell, right? That's what we deserve. We deserve to be rejected by God. We've rejected God. He doesn't owe us a second chance. And that would be fair. That would be fair. And then we'd learn. We'd learn a whole lot from the experience of going to hell. But that's not the kind of learning that will get you saved. It's a life or death kind of matter. It's not math. It's harder than that. It's bigger than that. It's worse than that. So imagine this. Think of it this way. Uh, imagine... Uh, it's the 4th of July, and uh, you're going to an office party, 4th of July, and you want to shoot off fireworks. But in your town, some of us will relate to this, some of us will not. In your town, it's illegal to shoot off fireworks. You can't do it. So somebody gets the idea, well, let's shoot off fireworks indoors. That's what we'll do. We can't shoot them off, but we'll shoot them off inside the office. That'll be fine. And of course, they set fire to the place. And, and in the midst of the chaos and this fire, the door is blocked. But somebody who's very, very strong, a weightlifter, goes and pries the door open and holds the door open so that you can get out. Now, 
you don't deserve freedom, right? It, it was you guys that decided to shoot off fireworks in the office. Brilliant idea. You created this mess. You don't deserve for somebody to save you. But someone is offering to do it. What's the best option for you? See, this isn't something you can learn from by doing it again. This is a life or death matter, and this is the one chance you have. When Jesus went to the cross for us, he made a way. He made a way that we didn't deserve and a way that we couldn't make for ourselves. That's the heart of the message of Jesus. And so Paul says to the Galatians, look, don't go back to trying to prove yourself to God by following all the rules. You failed at that already. Jesus has set you free. So live by the spirit that he has given you for free. You don't have to earn it. Just let the spirit live inside of you. Paul's, uh, Paul's going to create uh, uh, two uh, arguments here as he argues for the gospel. Uh, the first one is from experience. You Galatians experienced receiving the Spirit by believing what you heard, not by doing works of the law. The first argument is from experience. The second one, Paul argues from their scriptures. Paul will argue from their Bible saying, look, and you should know this. You should know this is true by reading the scriptures you have yourself. And that's what comes next uh, in verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. In other words, you may think, well, I'm going to be pretty good in my life, and that should probably satisfy God. But that's not what the Jewish scriptures say. The Jewish scriptures say that a perfect God demands a perfect life. God wants you to live a perfect life. And if you can't live a perfect life, if you fail it in any way, cursed is anyone who fails to do everything written in the book of the law. It, it, it'd literally be like, once you've failed at anything, you're branded as cursed. And you can't take that off of yourself. That's placed on you and you're stuck with it. It doesn't matter how many good works you do after that, you've lost you're, you're stuck with this branding now. You are cursed. And Paul says, look, that's in your own scriptures. Why would you try to, why would you try to go back? Your own, your own scriptures say it's not going to work. Verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. And so Jesus saw us with this, this branding that we're cursed because we failed. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took on what the scriptures said would happen. Cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree, on a pole. And so when he went to the cross, he takes that curse off of us and he places it on himself. Um, see, this is, what, this is what a lot of Christians think, think is, uh, is happening. They think, in general... Life is weighed in terms of how moral you are. If you're generally well-behaved, your good works go on, on one side of the, the scale of God's justice and, and you, you're, you're counted as a good person. You've done good works. But maybe, maybe you, had a, you had a bad season. There were, the, there were the college years. You didn't live all that well then and you did a few bad things. But you think, okay, but yeah, I did more good than bad and so I'm still okay. When I stand at the gates of heaven, the scale's still gonna weigh in my favor. But then Jesus says, yeah, but I'm not just looking at your behavior. I'm looking at what went on in the inside. Think about all the times that you thought something bad 
about somebody else. Think about all the times that you, you really would have killed somebody if you could have gotten away with it. Maybe you didn't, but you, you would have. If I look at the inside, it feels like the scale starts to tilt in the other direction. Now, this is what the Galatians are doing. The Galatians are saying, well, wait a minute. If, if we've done bad things, we'd better like tilt the scale in the other direction by doing more good. And so we'll, we'll go and we'll care for the poor because we think it's going to get us into heaven. We'll, um, we'll go and we'll care for widows and orphans, but only because we think it's gonna get, we're going to get something out of it. We'll go back and we'll follow all the laws in the Jewish scriptures in the hopes that maybe if we do enough good in the end, when we stand in front of God, God will say, yeah, I saw all the mess that you made, but in the end, you did a few more good works than bad. A lot of people who follow Jesus today think that this is how it works. This is not Christianity. It was Judaism. It's actually Islam. Islam measures uh, salvation this way. The Quran says that if you do more good works than bad, the angels will report that you were a good person in the end and you'll be saved. This is the way secular morality works in America. If you're generally a nice person, you're a good person. If you're generally a selfish person, you're a bad person. This is how many people view morality and the hope of salvation. But this is not Christianity. Christianity works this way. Imagine, imagine you live a really good life. Imagine now you spend a lot of time caring for the poor and you're really good to your family and you even care about people who are bad to you. You don't go back and get revenge on them and you, uh, you, you help little old ladies across the street. I don't know, you do every good work you can think of but somewhere along the way, you, you just you know, slipped, you had a bad day, you slipped up once and you were just kind of a jerk one day of your life. Now, according to the Jewish scriptures, cursed is everyone who fails to do everything written in the book of the law. This is Christianity. If you haven't lived perfectly, you failed. A perfect God demands a perfect life. If you plan to stand on the gates of heaven saying, I was pretty good, this is how that scale is going to weigh. But it doesn't have to. Because Christianity then says, Jesus, who lived an absolutely perfect life, gives you his scale. If you believe in Jesus, his goodness is counted to you, and your cursedness is counted to him. If you believe in Jesus, the scale goes away. Why would you ever go back to the scale? If you know Jesus has saved you for free, why would you ever go back? Do you want an A or do you not? I can prove it to you. Look at, look at what Jesus said in his life. There's a moment where he encounters someone who has no chance left. This is in Luke 23. This is at the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus is crucified in between two thieves. There was a written notice above him, above Jesus, which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. 
Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You failed. Here's an A. Don't try to earn it yourself. Let me give it to you. If you're at one of those places in life where you have enough mature introspection to see that you have broken the life that God gave you, don't go back to trying to fix it with the scale. Just accept Jesus' forgiveness. He wants you to have it. It's a free gift. He died to give it to you. When you come to that place where you're ready to, to accept it and acknowledge it, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm ready. I just, I have the sense that you know more about this life than I do. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you to guide my life instead of me trying to fix it myself. And watch at how Jesus heals you and restores you and calls you and accelerates you in ways that you could not do yourself. What Jesus says after that is, come follow me. And what he means is, he doesn't mean, come, come and try to earn it now. Now that I've given you a free A, you better pass that test. That's not what he's saying. Come follow me is a free invitation. If you've lived a mess, come follow me and let me show you how to live real life. Let me show you how to live abundantly. Um, it's like this. Uh, I was uh, sitting at the, uh, at the breakfast table with my 14-year-old uh, the, the other day, and he really likes like astrophysics and things like that. I don't know where, he didn't get this from either one of us. But uh, he looked over me at the breakfast table and he said something like, did you know that uh, a black hole has three times the gravitational force of the sun? And I was like, well, no, son, I didn't. May, would you please pass the Cocoa Puffs? Um, I, I don't know where he gets that, but he carries around knowledge like that in his head. Now compare that kind of knowledge with something I did uh, a few months ago in the midst of pandemic. I went out and bought a bike. I hadn't bought a bike in 20 years, but I figured exercise would probably be good for me while all the world is falling apart. I went out and got a bike. I got on the bike and rode around the neighborhood and I remembered how to do it. It's probably been 20 years since I rode a bike. I went out and got a bike, just rode. Didn't have to think about it, didn't have to read a manual, didn't have to study it. When Jesus says, come follow me, it's more like that latter kind of knowledge than the first. It's not just having ideas about the heavens in your head. It's carrying out what you know with your feet. Come follow me is the invitation to then live as Jesus lived, not because you think you're gonna earn anything for it, but because that is the free life that he has invited you to. Come follow me and let me show you how to be the church. Come follow me. And let me show you how to heal people. Come follow me and let me show you how to love people so that their lives change. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me and I will give you life like you have never had it before. If that's what you want, it's a free gift. Just take it. You know what I like about Jesus? He does all the heavy lifting for me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you, you love us enough that you came down and walked among us 
You lived a perfect life. You're the only one who did that scale right. And because you died on the cross for us, you opened up a way to pass your righteousness on to us. And so we invite you in and we accept your gift of grace. God, forgive our sins and make us new. Set us free to follow after you and to live real life on your terms. Not because we think there's anything to earn, but because it's life the way you made it to be. As we do so, may we know you more and more. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.